We're going to be over in the Gospel of John, chapter 9. We're continuing on in our series looking at the miracles of healing that Jesus did. Some time ago we went through and looked at all the miracles, but this time we're looking at the miracles of healing that Jesus did. Last week we were looking at the man who was anointed twice. Only time that someone was anointed twice, but the first time, you remember, Jesus laid hands on him and he said, he asked the question, doesn't usually ask this, what do you see? And he told him, I see men like trees walking. So he knew enough about trees, he had seen before, he knew about men, but that's not exactly the way things are. And we looked at this, the context of it and we saw that in the context of this story, we had the disciples misunderstanding things before this when Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they said, well, it's because we didn't take bread. And Jesus said, really? That's the meaning you got out of that? They didn't see clearly. And then after that, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Well, some say prophet, some say Elijah. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. There was a revelation that went on. They saw that clearly. So because they saw that clearly, Jesus began to teach them about his death and resurrection, to which they had a problem with because they didn't see it clearly. So we see all through this chapter, the theme was not seeing things clearly. Just because you got born again doesn't mean that you see everything in Scripture clearly. Just because the anointing of God came on you doesn't mean there isn't more for you to learn. There's still more for you to see clearly. But this week we're looking at John chapter 9. We have taken this on. In fact, it was only a year and a half ago we took this on before. With a different purpose. We were looking at questions the last time. But this time we're, we're looking at it from the, the healing standpoint. And it is a fun chapter. I always enjoy when we go through reading our New Testament every year and we hit this chapter. There's a lot of chapters that I really look forward to. This is one of them. If you like sarcasm, this is the chapter for it. <laughs> Let's begin to read together. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth and his disciples asked him saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now it says that Jesus sees the man but it's interesting that uh, we don't know that Jesus would have stopped. We don't know that he wouldn't have stopped. But it says that Jesus saw the man, but the disciples asked the question. They saw him there. They apparently knew this guy, that he was born in this condition. And it was the prevailing thought that if you are born with a condition, there is a sin either of your parents or you did something in the womb. Because how else are you going to be born blind if it's because of sin? Now, this is not an unusual question. Because people still ask this question today, even though it's very clearly answered in the Word of God. How many times has something bad happened in your life? And you immediately look to, what did I do? Somebody loses their job. Oh, it's because I didn't do this. You mean to come to that? We're always looking for a cause effect. If something bad happens, there must have been sin somewhere. And Jesus answers this question, and he answers it very clearly. But still, we ask, we ask this question over and over. As soon as something bad happens, if I get sick, if I uh, lost some money, whatever issue it might be, what did I do? They expanded this to who sinned, this man or his parents. Now they are making the assumption that somebody sinned. They're only giving Jesus two answers. Either this man sinned or his parents sinned. The end result was he was born blind. Well, let's go on and see what more he has. We're all, we're, we're, we're bent on this thing of a cause and effect. Everything has a cause. Everything has been affected somehow. 
Think about it this way. Let's go back to some, some of the scriptures we looked at before. Remember when Jesus was going over on the, on the Sea of Galilee and the storm rose up and would have sunk it? Who sinned? Who sinned? Jesus or the disciples? That's the same question. Nobody sinned. Jesus just got up and took care of the storm, right? Jesus, as we looked over, Jesus was on assignment. And the enemy didn't want that assignment accomplished. Now this question is based on an assumption just like a lot of people's questions are based on assumptions. This one is based on the assumption that someone sinned. If you have a false assumption in a question, what would that make the answer you receive? It would be false. You have to get the assumptions out. And this is what Jesus begins to do here. Many questions that we have have assumed truths. And these assumptions will take you out of the ballpark of truth. I, uh, when we went over this before, I gave you this. Questions with false assumptions do three things to us. I don't think I wrote it down for you today, but I gave this to you sometime before. The questions with false assumptions, they do three things. First, they make answering correctly impossible. Second, they are often guarded as sacred truth. Assumptions are often guarded as sacred truth. You cannot touch this. this I've assumed this. I know this to be true. And they keep us blind and deaf to real answers. Now, Jesus refutes the foundation of the question. And then he answers the questions that are really asking. Let's, say, let's read it again. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now look at Jesus' answer. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be received in him. I must work the works of him who sent me, while it is day, the night is coming, when no one can work. And as, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now I've Every time we go over this, I do go over this bit of truth with you because I want to make sure that you don't, don't forget and sometimes you have other people come on in and haven't uh, heard this part of it yet. But in the, in the Bible, you all know I love Greek. I absolutely love Greek. In the Greek manuscripts, paper was a premium. So they crammed everything together and there was no punctuation. The punctuation in your Bible is inserted by the translators. It's not in the Greek. They didn't, put the, they didn't put that in there. They're trying to save space. So the punctuation you read in this is inserted by the translators. And they inserted it the way they assume the answer is. Let's take a look at how they punctuated it. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Punctuating it that way makes it sound like, all right, nobody sinned, but he was born blind so that the works of God could be made manifest. Isn't that right? Now, I am not going to change a single word inside here. I am just going to change the punctuation. Jesus answered the question. Look at this. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, period. He answered the question. But, new sentence, that the works of God should be revealed in him, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is the day. Now, didn't I just change the whole meaning of that? And I didn't change a single word. But see, that fits with... with if Jesus is going on this earth performing miracles, we want certain sick people to be here so that when I go around, I can make them well. That doesn't sound like God, does it? There's no other place in Scripture that's supported. But people will pick that up. So he answers the question, neither this man nor his parents sin. You guys have it wrong. Nobody sinned. But that the works of God should be revealed in him, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. We have the light of the gospel. We have the light that Jesus brought when he was there. There is light. We are not to walk around in darkness. We are to walk around in light. When you walk around in light, you can see things. That's why we all... Now, some of us carry flashlights around at nighttime so that you can see what's out there. You can look around, the, the flashlight gives you light. And if you can see what is there, that helps. We're out to a restaurant, 
you know, the, the grandkids always know Pop-Pop has a flashlight. And generally, at least one. There's sometimes two. I love flashlights. And so I have one that's uh, kid safe. And I can give it to them. Because some of them I have, they're not kid safe. They can get hot. They are powerful. You put that in somebody's eye. I don't want to give that to a kid. So I have some that are kid safe. And uh, they drop things. And they go underneath the table. And so they'll always come to me. Pop up. Can I use your flashlight? They never say, Pop up. Do you have your flashlight? They never say that. Because they know I do. And so then I'll give them the flashlight. And then they go down there and they find out what they want. Of course, they spend extra time because they love playing with flashlights. <laughs> but that light comes in and it shows you what's going on. The light comes in, it shows us what's going on. These folks were in darkness. They thought someone had sinned. Well, if someone had sinned, there's nothing we can do about this. Jesus said, no, no one sinned. But I'm here to work the works of God. I'm here to do that. The, day, the time is the day. This is the day of time. We can see things. Now let's see this thing right. Clear it up. Our assumptions, we ha- and we make them, and these disciples had assumptions here, but our assumptions come through theories as we try to explain some things. Like what has or hasn't happened to me? Why didn't I get that promotion? Why didn't I get that raise? We try and explain what has or has not happened to me. Or what has or hasn't happened to other people. Or what just goes on in the world. Why did that world war start? Why did these atrocities go on? And we try and come up with answers for these things. And a lot of times we make assumptions. Verse 6. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing whole lot of spit going on in these last couple of miracles. <laughs> and we got the spitting going on here again today. Now he's blind. He didn't know necessarily that Jesus spat on the ground. Maybe he heard the spit. I don't know. But Jesus made the clay and he put it on his eyes. I want you to take a look at what happened here with this. He doesn't, uh, the man doesn't ask for anything. He just spoke to his disciples and then he spat on the ground. This is a teaching episode. We're going to teach the disciples about this. And he spits on the ground. He makes mud. And he smears in the mud. He puts the mud. The word of God here says he anoints his eyes. And it's actually the word for anoint. It is the word for anoint. It is the word that is used to anoint holy things. He anointed his eyes. After that, he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, he sent a blind guy to go find a pool. He's been blind since birth, so I'm sure he has a way to get around. Maybe he can get to the pool of Siloam on his own. Maybe he has help. I don't know which one it is. The Bible doesn't say. Apparently, it's not important. All that was important was he got to the pool. He washed, as Jesus said, and then he came back. But when he came back, he came back seeing He could see. Seven verses of this entire chapter. This entire chapter is dedicated to this miracle. Seven verses is all it takes for this man to be healed. We got 41 verses in this chapter. Now, if it was the will of God for this man to be sick, for this man to be born blind, if it was the will of God, if that's why he was born blind, what caused that will to change. What caused the will to change? Something had to change, right? If it was the will of God for him to be born blind, and he's been blind all this time, all of a sudden it changed. Because now it's not the will of God, because Jesus goes around doing what? He goes around doing the will of God. So this must have been the will of God. So what caused the change? Did God suddenly just change his mind? You know what? You've been been blind long enough. Let's change this. No. That's not how God works. 
The only thing that changed was somebody asked Jesus about it. A false assumption was brought to light and Jesus set out to work the works of God. Now I have to wonder this. I put this in your, your outline, I believe. Did this man have the same assumption? The disciples had this assumption. Many of the Jews have this assumption. So he has probably heard these things. Did he have the same assumption? Did he assume that either I sinned in the womb or my parents sinned, that's why I was born blind? Did he believe the same assumption? If he believed it, he's probably really listening to Jesus saying this. Wait, I didn't sin? And my parents didn't sin? I've been in this condition all this time because I thought either I sinned or my parents sinned? And you're telling me nobody sinned? He might have, how many of you, if you were him, would have asked this question? Why am I blind? And then when Jesus says, I'm here to work the works of God, I bet he might be getting a little bit excited. Verse 8. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Now it's even funnier in the Weiss translation. The Weiss translation puts it this way. That one, meaning the man there, kept on saying, I am he. So people are saying, is this him? Yeah, it's me. I was the blind guy. Somebody else would say, is that him? Yes, it is me. I was the guy blind. He kept going around saying this to people. That's because of the, the tense of the Greek. He kept saying to them, I'm him. But people were coming up and they're seeing the miracle. But you see, they got these assumptions. This doesn't happen. They're seeing the miracle. Is, is this the one that we keep walking by and seeing? No, no, it just looks like him. That's all. Just Well, they've been in the town. It's not a big town. They've been around there. How many people do you know looks like him? It's amazing the things people come up with to explain what they don't understand. Imagine people going up, I don't know, is, is it him? And he's saying, it's me, it's me. I'm not sure if it's him or not. How many people do you know in your life know your business better than you? Ever seen that? They know your business better than you. You shouldn't have done that. I told you you shouldn't have done that. You should have done this. They're always telling you what you should do or what you shouldn't do. They know your business better than you do. Of course, they can't handle their own business. But they know your business better than you do. That's these people. That's what they're doing. So after they finally decided to become convinced that the man knew what he was talking about, I guess, uh, I guess we'll believe him that he was born, he's the man who was born blind. Therefore, they said in verse 10, they said to him, how were your eyes opened? All right, smarty pants. How did this happen to you? If you're really the guy who was born blind and you've been blind all this time, how did it happen? See, this is the way they're asking it. You don't go from where they were to a point of seeking truth. They're suspicious. Was this really the guy? Nah, I think he just looks like him. And he keeps telling them, I'm him. I am him. Nah, I'm not sure that this is him. They're not believing him. So basically they're saying, all right, prove it to us. How were your eyes opened? How did it happen? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. I think this is comical. The man was blind. The man was blind when Jesus put this clay on his eyes. He told them the story, I am to go to the pool. He is still blind. He goes to the pool, he washes, and then he sees. Well, where is this guy? I was blind. I didn't see Jesus. 
I didn't see where he went because I went to the pool to wash. Some people ask some really stupid questions. How many have ever wondered, why don't people think their question through first? Maybe you should ask it of yourself first and see how stupid it sounds before you speak it out loud. Because some people can really ask some stupid questions and there are plenty of them here in this chapter. So they say, where is he? Uh, I don't I don't know. I was blind then. I can see now. But I was blind then. People seem to fall into three groups when it comes to things of faith. First group is those who believe that God through those who have faith in Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in Jesus saving, healing, and working in this world. That's the first group. These people discover God's will and speak the situations like Jesus did. The second group is those who believe the only certain of God's will is that He saves sinners through faith in His name. Only certain thing is God will save sinners. After that, anything over that is a grace bonus. You just you just can't never tell if it's the will of God. He's, his will is to save you, but after that you don't know. These people beg for answers to prayer to change their situations. Last couple of weeks we looked at begging. Because people were begging Jesus to do things. Third group is those who either don't believe in God or that he does or that he doesn't do anything in this world. That's the unsaved. Verse 13. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. That's the people there. These are the people that were asking questions. Is this the man? Is this the God? These are the people. So they decided, you know what? We're still suspicious of what's going on here. Let's take them to the Pharisees. Let's let them take a look at this and see what's going on. I wonder what pretense they brought this man to the Pharisees. Do they drag him there? Do they just ask him to come? Do they make it seem like they are interested to see how this was done? Let's go to the religious leaders. I wonder how the man felt. Verse 14. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Oh, there we go. Now we know what's going on with that, huh? It was the Sabbath. And the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. There was something that jumped out at me in this verse that hadn't jumped out at me before. It didn't jump out because I love to be a student of the Greek New Testament. But the Greek New Testament showed me that what jumped out at me was true. If you use one of the more modern translations, you will completely miss this. It's completely taken out. Just about all the modern translations do this. But my trusty translation, as you all know, is the New King James. And the New King James hit this spot on. You don't need any other translation. You can get it right from here. In fact, if you go to a lot of those modern ones, even some of the ones that I use on a regular basis, they completely wash this out of the story. Which I was amazed at. I told you before, when Jesus, when John described the miracle that he had done, that John used a word that described an anointing. And it's translated that way in the New King James. It's translated anointing. When the man described what happened to him, he described the event that Jesus anointed my eyes. And he used that exact same word. So I did a little digging up on these words. The Greek word in particular is only used here in John's Gospel. It's used twice. The Greek word is epi. Epicryo. Epicryo. It's a compound word. The basic word of this is cryo. Cryo is the main word for anointing in the Bible. It's not the most used word, but it is the word that is used when you are describing anointing something holy. 
There is actually a more used word than that. And that is the Greek word alepho. That is a general term for anointing of any kind, whether a physical refreshment, just from washing water, doing something to the sick to refresh them, or even a dead body. But this word, cryo, is much more limited. It is, I'm reading to you from the definition, it is confined to sacred and symbolic anointings of Christ as the anointed of God. Among the Greeks, it was used in other senses than the ceremony, but in scriptures, it is not found in connection with secular matters. Another word is entryo, which is to rub in. That's why the prefix en is put on. This one has the prefix epi, which means to rub on or to rub upon. There is one more that is used in the Bible, and that is used of anointing the body for burial. But I thought this was interesting because when I came to this particular verse, something changed. Something had had become altered. If you look back over here, verse 15, then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. In the New King James Bible, the first two times we have this thing used, remember what word the translators used? He anointed my eyes. Look at what he says here. He put clay on my eyes. Folks, he changed it into Greek. John is writing down what he said. What he said was this. No longer is he saying he anointed my eyes. He's saying he merely put clay on my eyes. Why? Because the man is feeling pressure. All these people are coming examining his miracle. It's been done on the Sabbath. Nobody likes it being done on the Sabbath. Now the Pharisees are getting involved. He's brought before the Pharisees. He's not feeling good about this. And so he changes his story. He actually changed his story. He didn't say, he anointed my eyes. He said, he put clay on my eyes. He's trying to lessen this. Trying to make this seem less spiritual put clay on my eyes therefore some of the Pharisees said this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath others said how can a man who is a sinner do such things and there was division among them now it says that some of the Pharisees that would mean that not all the Pharisees said this man is not from God so some of the Pharisees rather believe that this man is not from God we all know that but then it says that others said, who are the others? I've read this over and over again and all I can t- come up with is the others are other Pharisees. Because some of the Pharisees believed he was not of God. That would mean some of them may have. We also know from some of the interaction you have with the Pharisees, there were some Pharisees that believed. But not all. But some of them were vocal enough that they came out and they said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. Even today, we see division because of methods and results. We get divided because of how somebody did something. We get divided because of the results that they attained or desired to obtain. The same thing back there. They're uh, having division methods and results. Then said the blind man again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said he is a prophet. Now look at this man. This man, he's under pressure. He's feeling it. He's changed his story a little bit. Who do you think this man is? My guess is, when we get to heaven, watch the videotape roll. I'm pretty sure this is how it's going to play out. The guy's looking for a safe answer. Want something that's safe. I don't want to make trouble. I don't want any more trouble. I am so glad. This is a great day. This is like the best day of my entire life because all my life I have been blind and now I can see and instead of being able to go around and rejoice about this, I'm in front of these guys getting grilled. 
He just wants to get out of there. Right now, his viewpoint, I'm pretty sure, is I want to get out of here and go enjoy being a sightseeing person. Enjoy being, being able to see stuff. I just want to go around and see all this stuff I've never seen. The man last week, he saw stuff before he became blind. This man has never seen stuff. He was born blind. He said he's a prophet. He didn't get that by revelation. Maybe he's just grabbing that straw. I don't, I don't know. He's a, remember when Jesus asked in our story last week, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're Elijah. He just may be picking up with some of that. Well, I guess he's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. <laughs> so, so, I don't believe that you're telling me that you are blind. I don't believe all the people that brought you to me that said you were blind. No, we got to get we got to get more authoritative people. Can you imagine having Pharisees who are the religious leaders of this area? So ignorant to not know that a man who was born blind who probably sat in different places begging they probably walked past them they are so unconcerned about him that they don't even recognize him Pharisees some people see him from God some people don't see him from God they got to call the parents in so let's call the parents in let's see what they have to say this man right now is very timid before these people, but I love the way he changes. He is one of my favorite people who was ever healed by Jesus. And one of the ones that when I get to heaven, I am looking forward to meeting. But know this about the man. The man doesn't really know who Jesus is. He doesn't know that he's the Christ. He doesn't know anything about this teaching. doesn't seem, couldn't even find them in a crowd. Yet he received healing based on his obedience. How many times have you qualified yourself out from receiving something from God? Well, I did this. Well, I don't have this going on yet. Well, I haven't done this yet. I should be doing this. This isn't going on in my life. And we disqualify ourselves from receiving things. Look at all the disqualifiers in this man's life. He's got one qualifier. He obeyed. He said, go to the pool and wash. And he did whole lot of power and obedience, folks. Obey what the Word says. Obey what Jesus says. Don't try and figure out what He meant. Well, did He really mean the pool of Siloam? Or can I just go home and wash in the sink? Don't try and figure out what He meant. If the Word of God says it, I believe it. That's what He did. Jesus said, go wash in that pool. I, he didn't do anything else. He went and washed in that pool. I wonder if He passed any pools on the way. I don't know. Maybe if somebody's leading there, hey, we got this pull over here. No, he said Siloam. It's just like Jesus, for me anyway, it's just like Jesus to have given him an option to bail out. Let's just see. Let's just see if he'll do exactly what I said. Maybe he passed one or two pools, but he kept on going to the pool that Jesus said. That's what we needed. That's what we you obeyed. Verse 19, And they asked them, this is the parents saying, Is this your son whom you say was born blind? <laughs> How then does he now see? His pants would answer them and said, We know that this is our son. And that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He's of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. Now, it's, I'm sure that the parents weren't there. But if he told them, they would have believed him. But they don't want to get involved. Nope. Nope. That's our son. Yep, he was born blind. I have no idea how he got healed. You have to ask him. Apparently he was there. Verse 22, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already... Uh, agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. They want to get put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give glory, give God the glory. 
we know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Now you are seeing a change in the man. The man went from being timid and looking for the easy answer to now he's getting a little bit more in your face. You're telling me he's a sinner? I can't answer all those kind of doctrinal things like you guys can. What I can tell you is this. I'm seeing. (laughs) I don't know. I was once blind. I was born that way. But now I see. That much I can tell you. I put in your outline, don't pretend to know what you don't. But also, don't deny what you know. This man's not going to pretend. I don't know who's sinners and who's not sinners. What I do know is I was blind. I'm not now. And Jesus is the reason. Now the Pharisee said, we know this man to be a sinner. Is that statement true? It is not. There's a whole lot of people, folks, who say they know things and they know nothing. Well, I know the will of God is this. Right. The Bible says this. Yeah, but I know the will of God is this. No. If it's not in the will of God, if it's not in the Word of God, it's not the will of God. And I have no idea what that sounds like. (laughs) And I'm not going to pretend that I know. Now, do you see a reluctance of the people to make a stand for what they believe? They may believe certain things about this situation that's going on, but I just don't know. I don't want to make a stand on this. Pressure can hinder you from making a faith stand if you let it. Boldness will overcome. Pressure can come from threats of people, threats of situation, harm or death. Threats of the enemy or put imaginations in your head? Now, what is the basis for judging that Jesus is not from God? goes back to verse 16. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. That's the whole reason. He's doing all kinds of powerful works. Casting out demons, blind eyes open, deaf people, ears healed. All kinds of powerful works are going on. But he doesn't keep the Sabbath. That's why we know. Of course, he doesn't keep the Sabbath the way they think. You should keep the Sabbath. It has nothing to do with what God said. Verse 26. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? Feels like you're in a court of law. You know, they ask you a question, you answered it. Then they ask you again. Then they ask you again. They're trying to get you to slip up on something. How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. (laughs) I love that. Oh, that is good. He's getting bolder yet. He's not afraid of them anymore. He started out afraid. He changed his story. But now he's not afraid of them anymore. Something is growing inside this man. And he's getting bolder. He says, I told you already. And you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? (laughs) Now this man moves completely over into sarcasm. Which is the reason for the comic in the bulletin. Sarcasm. These questions are not asking for truth to be discovered. But for a statement to seize upon. Does that sound like people today? People don't want to discover truth. You know, the news media, they go out there and they ask questions. They don't want to discover truth. They want to find a statement that they can seize upon. Now, we'll give you this word of caution about sarcasm. Put this in your outline so you don't forget it. Sarcasm can lead you to a place of or be assigned that you are closing yourself off to that person or group. This is what this man is showing you. This man is showing you. 
I was open to you guys. I was afraid of you. I am now closed. I don't care what you have to say. You guys ask stupid questions and you think stupid things. And he has closed himself to the Pharisees. So therefore he engages in sarcasm. You be careful on it. I know sarcasm can be fun, but you got to watch it. If you get into it too much, it is a sign that you are either closed off to that person or moving to a place of being so. How good would it be if the disciples were sarcastic to Jesus? You kind of get a picture of that. Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we don't know where he's from. Now, people of this mindset, like the Pharisees, they put down their opponents. They can't debate them. So they put them down. And they put them down simply because we don't agree. We don't agree. You are his disciple. It's interesting. In the morning, he was not his disciple. But now he suddenly is. You are his disciple. We're Moses' disciple. As for this fellow. <laughs> yeah. They're closed off to him. The man answered and said to them, Why this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from. Yet he has opened my eyes. This is a marvelous thing. You folks are leaders. Leaders. And you don't know how this works. You're saying that you're people of God. And only God can do what he has done. And you don't know what's going on. This is telling this man something. These guys are not of God. Which is why he is growing in sarcasm and growing in boldness. Because he's realizing, I thought these were godly people. They are not. They're as carnal as they come. Why am I afraid of you? And you can see this change going on in this man. Verse 31, Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins and you are teaching us. And they cast him out. I don't think he cares. I think he's glad... Good, I got out of here. Maybe he's trying to get them mad so they just kick them out. <laughs> if I get you mad enough, you'll stop asking me questions, right? And I can go out and enjoy my life. Kick me out of the synagogue. I don't care. I've already seen what you guys are like. You don't have the truth. You're not of God. You can't even recognize when God's doing stuff. He got real bold. This man started with little or no knowledge of Jesus. Before long, he's a disciple. And knows more about Jesus than these religious leaders. Well, the law they're concerned with, of course, is the Sabbath law. That was a big one for them. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? Now think back on all the miracles we looked at. How many times did Jesus go after and find the person that he healed? After the miracle was done. How many times did that happen? Wasn't many, was it? Remember the lame man at the pool of Bethesda? After the, after the Pharisees rebuked him for carrying his bed on the Sabbath? Who is this guy? I don't know. And then Jesus came and he found him. And he told him, basically, you need to clean up some things. You need to clean up some stuff. He was still healed. But you need to, you need to fix some things. And then he went on. And remember what the man did? Right over to the Pharisees. What a difference this man is. He was taken to the Pharisees. But now he is leaving the Pharisees and he's done with them. And then Jesus comes over and he finds them. 
Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said to him, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? He is open to Jesus telling him who the Son of God is. And he would believe in him. Imagine that. He's only really had a relationship with him this short time. But he's basically saying, if you tell me who the Son of God is, I will believe in him because you said it. Wow. And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Hmm. Didn't take much, did it? This man, I believe. You said it? All right, I believe. This man asked for and is ready to receive whatever truth Jesus speaks. That wasn't the case with the Pharisees. His attitude in just this very short time, he shifted from respecting the Pharisees and their view of truth to respecting Jesus as being of the truth. Now, have you ever asked the question, why does Jesus reveal himself this way to this man? It's simply because of the three things I put in your outline for you. First off, because the man showed himself open to truth over assumption, pressure, or acceptance. He showed himself open to truth over assumption, because he started off with those assumptions. Pressure, because the people applied pressure to him, but he stood up to that pressure. And acceptance. I don't care that the rest of these people accept me at all. It's Jesus. He's the one who's got the truth. So Jesus knew, this is the man I can speak truth to. If you want to be someone that Jesus can, be, can speak truth to, follow his same pattern. Get rid of the assumptions. Don't yield to pressure to do things against the Word of God. Don't yield to pressure. And don't look for acceptance. Don't do things to be accepted by the world. Don't do things to be accepted by your peers. Do things to be accepted by God. When you do those three things, when you got those three things working in your life, God is ready to speak some truth to you, just like he did to this man. Let's finish this up, verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be blind. Now, he's saying this to the man, but apparently the Pharisees are not far behind. Verse 40, Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? You talking about us? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. Well, he put them down. With truth, not with all the stuff they were trying to do. A good way to discern if a person is of God or not. You ever want a real good way to discern that? You want to find out, is a person of God or are they not? One thing that you can look at that will be a real good teller is look at their attitude toward truth. When you find someone who has an attitude toward truth, well, that might be true, but we need to cover that up. They are not of God. When you find people who say, I don't like this truth, but this is what happened. Ah, that person. I'm not saying that they are of God, but that's a good indicator right there. You can separate a whole lot of stuff by the people who love truth. People of the world, they don't love truth. Look at the news media. You know how much I despise them. They don't love truth. They're not in love with truth. They don't like to try and bring truth out. They want to try and see what we can cover up of truth to get you to believe this. That's not of God. What you see, what you're able to see reveals either doubt or your faith. This man was able to see some things the Pharisees could not see because they were in doubt and he was in a place of faith. Some time ago we gave you this. I'll give this to you as we close this out. If you really desire to be free of whatever has you in bondage, and blindness certainly had him in a form of bondage, but if you really desire to be free of whatever has you in bondage, you must be willing to relinquish four things. Reason for revelation. Pharisees would not let go of reason 
to receive revelation. The disciples sometimes struggled with this. But if you will let go of reason for revelation, that's one thing. Second, assumptions for truth. I may still have some assumptions. I go under the assumption that I have assumptions. And I want to find out what they are. But you have to let go of assumptions for truth. You've got to let go of questioning for genuine inquiry. In this story, you see that people were questioning, but they were not really inquiring. You can question things with God, but not really be inquiring as to what went on. Just trying to prove your point. And here's the fourth one. Pride for humility. Told you before, reason is a pathway for assumptions. Just as revelation is the pathway for understanding. Reason is the pathway for assumption. Just as revelation is the pathway for understanding. Assumptions may aid you in getting an answer, but they will not aid you in getting to the truth. John eight thirty one, And Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall, make, you sh- you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We've got to get his truth. Let go of the assumptions that are going on. Assumptions can keep you from knowing understanding, seeking, and seeing the truth. They are detrimental. We've spent some time in them before. But take a look at this man. I want to tell you four things about this man. First off, before this man knew Jesus, he was healed. Isn't that right? Before this man knew Jesus, he was healed. Before he believed in Jesus, he was healed. Before he saw Jesus as being of God, he was healed. Before he received the truth Jesus spoke, he was healed. The enemy is constantly trying to fill our heads with all kinds of reasons why God won't help you. This story, among so many others, this story shows you He wants to help. He wants to heal. He wants to bless. He wants to give wisdom. He wants to guide. He wants to enlighten. He desires to. It is everything in him to bring these things to you. Before this man had all these things going on for him, Jesus healed him. How many things has the enemy put in your head that until I get rid of this habit, until I get rid of doing this particular thing, I'll never receive that healing? He's tied you up. I heard it from from one minister. God will heal on credit. He will heal and believe that you're going to do what's necessary. Just like the man who was uh, at the pool of uh, Bethesda. He healed him, but he came back and said, now look, there's some things you need to clean up. We spent more time on that before. Can't spend any more time on that now. I want you to see this about this man. This man grew in his respect of truth and in obedience to God. You could see this in this chapter. You just see this man grow in the way that he's able to see and hear truth, accept truth, and the way he obeys and the boldness that rose up inside this man. What What a great story of healing this is. But if these things didn't keep this man from being healed, why are they going to keep you? You look in the Bible and Jesus was never looking for excuses not to heal someone. He was looking for reasons to be able to do so. How many stories are in the Bible where they brought 
the multitude to him, and Jesus healed how many? All. All. How many times is that repeated? And the more. He couldn't find anyone. Well, you, you don't qualify. Well, you know, you got to quit that habit. When you quit that habit, come on back. And do that. But well, we are so much in bondage because we have this assumption that there's something I have to get right in my life before God will minister to me and help me. And yet that is not demonstrated in the Bible. I'm not telling you that God isn't going to say you need to fix these things and that you need to fix them. Because there's plenty of stories about that. I'm saying this. God will reach out to you. He will minister to you. And he will help you. There are times when he, you have a Jehoshaphat and God says, fix it. And he didn't. When you have a David and God says, fix it. And he did. When you have a Solomon and God says, fix it. And he didn't. When you have a Saul and God said, fix it. He did not. There's plenty of stories of people that fell out of fellowship with God moved into a place where God couldn't help them anymore. That can happen. But if you are actively seeking God, looking after Him, God, speak to me, show me. That's not describing you. Describing someone who is heart of heart. This man was ignorant, but he was not heart of heart. And oh, what a change. I hope every time you read over this story, you see this man changing one day, less than a day, this man changed and became such a lover of truth and one who would just receive the word spoken to him. That's where I want to be. I want to be where Jesus can speak truth to me and I just receive it. But I got this assumption over here. Yeah, but we're going to get rid of that. Because I'm going to receive that truth. Hunger after your truth. Would y'all stand up with me? Father, we want to be lovers of truth even more than we are today. I'm sure most of us would describe ourselves as we love the truth, but Father, we can love the truth even more. We want to love the truth so much and we want to be in love with obeying you. Not what we think you want us to do, but what you told us to do, what you said to do. Just like this man obeyed exactly what Jesus said. That's all he had going for him. He obeyed exactly what Jesus said. The world has constantly given us reasons why we shouldn't do what the Bible says, why we shouldn't live the Bible, why we shouldn't believe that Jesus is the way. But we do believe that Jesus is the way. We do believe that your word is true and that your word speaks to us. And we receive your truth. And I thank you for it. I know that our lives do not 100% line up with your word yet. But you still love us. But you will still bring us to your word and show us what your word says. Hey, change that. Here's what my word says. And we can change it. No matter what imperfections we have, whether we've let pride get in, doubt or unbelief get in, whatever it might be, worry, anxiety, fear. By obeying the things that you tell us to do, we can receive healing on those things too. Give you the praise and the glory for it. Father, we thank you. With every head bowed, no one looking around, if you're here today, and you say, you know, I've always wanted God to do this for me, to minister, help me out in this, but I never felt qualified. I think I see from the word today that I just swallowed an assumption, took something that was not right. If that describes you, raise your hand right now. I'm going to receive what God has said. Glory to God. Father, I thank you you will help us to be receivers of the things that you have for us. Give you the praise and the glory for it. Father, we thank you. This morning we had a prayer request. Candy was talking about some of her
people at a house church near her. Assistant pastor and many of the people were ill and believe in God. So, Father, we just stand with them in their faith to receive healing for this, whatever it is that's affecting them. And Father, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, glory to God. Tomorrow, we have, a course, of video teaching coming out for you. If you haven't jumped on this, just jump on the, the uh, church YouTube channel. You can find them all on, on there. Hope you enjoyed Charles Capps last week on the... Uh, on the videos we had from them. I looked over, there was a couple of uh, new seminars that were going on the last week or two, and I looked through them, and I couldn't find anything that really excited me to share with you. In fact, some of them, I didn't even make it all the way on through. But I, so I went back to about uh, three years ago, there was a, a little mini-series that Brother Keith Moore preached, and it's on humility. And I'll tell you what, no matter where we are in life, I can always use a dose of learning about humility and exposing pride. No matter where I am, I know I can use that. So this is a little mini-series, just two-part. Uh, they're pretty short. And uh, I, I took a note as I was watching the, the first one. I saw the, the church that he was at. They had put in the same keyboard as this one, except theirs was a Nord 2. It's from the, some years ago. I don't know what it is. That's the new one we have in there, the, the Nord 4. So I saw that jumped out at me because it was red. But I hope you enjoy the, the series. There's, a two, there's two parts of it there. It's not real long. I think uh, both of them are under 45 minutes. But they're there for you to enjoy. On, um, on Wednesday night, we're still finishing up the book of Nehemiah. I gave you a little bit of a synopsis of what's coming on here for this one. And uh, we'll give you a little bit more as we, we come to it, but that'll give you an idea. If you can't make it out on Wednesday nights, feel free to tune in on YouTube and Facebook. We only do those two formats, YouTube and Facebook, and those ones. And uh, we also put in there the bulletin, let us know here today. We're looking at maybe doing a Valentine's banquet. My wife wants to put that together. If you are interested, single, married, couple, family, we don't care. If you're interested, it's going to be on the Friday before Valentine's Day. And we do need to, to know so we can make plans for it. So the details are in there. Glad you all came and shared your day with us. Bless some of the people that are around you before you have to head on out.